You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, how's it going? This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I am Anthony Cazenza and we are happy to have you join us uh, really for the second time on Wednesday for some of you. So uh, appreciate uh, those of you who tuned in earlier. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I am joined. We've, we've got the, the the trio. I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, we got the trio for the entire show, at least uh, I hope, God willing. Um, Scott Schulte is is here, and he is wearing an intimidating-looking bangle shirt, getting prepped <laughs> for the uh, – he's got the tiger eyes right there. It looks like kind of the wall uh, – the, oh, one of some of the walls yeah. at Paul Brown Stadium there. Um, how are you? Are you are you psyched? The Bengals suit up Thursday night, first preseason game. Um, new look team, obviously, but uh, you got to be kind of psyched, right? Assuming I can watch it, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously it's <laughs> nice to get it back. But, unfortunately, you know, they, they put the games on uh, very obscure channels, so it's uh, at least where I live, so it's kind of hard to – I don't always get to watch the preseason games uh, based on the over-the-air channels that put on. But that being said, yeah, it is uh, – it, it's hard to believe that uh, I was on vacation last week. So I missed the last show, and I was on the way back. I realized, oh wow, yeah, that's coming up this week. That's uh, really soon. So, and you mentioned the shirt. I should mention uh, polyester, maybe whatever the material is that makes it really hot. It's not a great summer shirt. <laughs> it's like wearing a, a, a garbage bag type of type of material, just not breathable at all. Yeah, it'd be very good for the winter, which, I mean, they play when it's cold, so it makes sense. But, yeah, I definitely well, I, would not wear this if I wasn't inside. It's a cool-looking shirt. I do like it. It, it is a cool-looking shirt. And also wearing a, a unique shirt. I think I saw on your on your Twitter account, John, you got uh, a nice little present from I, – I don't know who it was. Was it Bengals Talk? Is that who it was or what? Good old Nate from uh, BengalsTalk.com gave me a little care package because I uh, tweeted out that I saw Joe Goodberry at Bengals training camp wearing it. So shout-out to Nate. He's a good dude. Nice, yeah. And if you if you if you aren't joining us live, it's the it's kind of a cool uh, cool logo, I guess. Uh, it's like a an X ray of a yeah, the Bengal brain. And if you follow our good friend Joe Goodberry, he's got a his uh, Twitter avatar, I guess, is very similar to that. Um, uh, so good to have you both with us. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the Bengals. Uh, the first depth chart was released. Um, We'll talk a little bit about Brandon LaFell being released as well. Uh, that'll tie into the depth chart conversation, I think. And then we'll talk about the preseason game uh, against the Bears coming up Thursday night, what we want to see, players to watch, things like that. And we'll take some listener questions. Uh, but I don't know if you know, since you were on, on vacation, but uh, we we did institute a, a, a new – Hotline, Insider Bengals hotline that, that uh, people can call in now. So we have oh, that wow. capability, and we'll give, yeah, we'll give that number out later in the show. So if uh, if you do want to call, if you uh, if you are so inclined to leave a question in our live YouTube chat, as always, uh, would welcome that as well as in the comment thread on CincyJungle.com, variety of other ways uh, on Twitter at BengalsOBI, the uh, the Orange and Black Insider at Gmail.com is the email address as well and we've got a promo always do it's on soundcloud youtube itunes uh cincyjungle.com and a variety of different uh variety of different platforms so check it out you might notice this this ep uh, episode is going to be a little different because um and i will look different because i will be wearing two different outfits because earlier in the day i had the playing hall of fame tackle anthony munoz and as i was saying as we were get gearing up for the program. I'm really bummed that uh, we couldn't make the, the schedule work to have John and Scott join in on that. But uh, Anthony joined me via, um, via phone and uh, was able to minutes. Now that interview is available. Um, 
on YouTube and then we'll get it on the other platforms and all of that. So check it out. It's about 20 minutes worth of uh, really good stuff from, from Anthony Munoz and uh, you know, really enjoyed speaking with him. Awesome guys. You would expect and many Bengals fans have uh, many Bengals fans have met him and um, you know, great dude. So that'll be, a, that's already available on YouTube. And then what we're going to do for those of you who are tuning in live, we're going to, we're going to add that into the overall podcast episode. Uh, so check that out. It'll be kind of separate and with the show. So you can get it a number of different ways. Um, but uh, great stuff from him and guys, let's, let's kind of kick it off here. Some of the stuff that Anthony and I talked about, it's always weird saying Anthony and I <laughs> given, given my name. Uh, but some of the stuff that we talked about was, was about the depth chart. And that was recently released. And there were some surprises. I guess the first surprise before the release of that, it was the release of Brandon LaFell. So Scott, your thoughts, we, we kept saying, we've been saying forever. And I can't tell you how many listener questions we had. When, when's Brandon LaFell going to get out? When's he going to get rid of him this year? And I was vehement that they were not going to get rid of him. And they did, Scott. Were you surprised by the move? And is it the right move? I was very surprised because on Cincy Jungle, we do a little write-up on the players. We kind of preview each player on the roster leading up to the final cutdown day. And one of the guys I wrote about was Brandon LaFell. <laughs> and at the end of the article, we give like, what are the percentage you know, odds of him making the roster? I forget what I gave him, but it was three days before I got cut. So it was right before I went on vacation and he got cut. And when I came back, I saw, oh my, oh my God. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think I had up like 85% or something and or 80%. And the reason was there's a snow, you look at the roster, there's not a lot of depth. I mean, John Ross had what, zero catches, one fumble last year. Uh, Boyd, what hasn't been used very much. And outside of that, you have guys like, you know, Kermit Whitfield and, you know, rookie Alden Tate, Cody Kors played very little. It, there's just not a lot of depth as far as veteran players. And we all know Marvin Lewis loves his veterans. You know, he never cuts his veterans. They keep their veterans. You know, they, no matter how well or poor they do, they keep, they keep them, they keep them. And then he does the exact opposite and cuts Brian LaFell. So I was very surprised basically for that reason, because that's just a non, it's a non Marvin Lewis move to cut a veteran, especially when you don't have a lot of veteran depth at that position. Uh, but as a Bengals fan, and I think sometimes we kind of undervalued who what who Brandon LaFell was. I mean, he obviously wasn't a superstar, but he's always been a solid number two, number three kind of guy on every team he's been on. He's someone that, you know, you can count on. He can do the things you want him to do. He can, you know, play over the middle. He can play different positions, different roles on your, you know, run different routes. He's a, this is a solid, he's a Bengals kind of guy, a solid, decent yeah. guy. He'll block, he'll, he'll do what you want him to do. And to see him get cut, uh, was a surprise, but it's also, I think for a Bengals fan, you have to be very excited. Not excited you got cut, but I think the reason you should be excited is because what that, you know, what does that tell us? And I, I think what it tells us is that John Ross and Tyler Boyd are looking a heck of a lot better this year in camp, and the coaches are confident enough in those two being the number two and the number three that makes them feel that they can get rid of the only other player with a lot of experience in that position so it's very exciting in that regard because, hey, if if you're cutting this guy, that tells me that you, you know, Marvin Lewis, who loves your veterans, you are that convinced that Ross and Boyd are your guys and you're even starting Ross in that, you know, preseason scrimmage is your number one opposite A.J. Green. And then, of course, uh, all the reports from camp are always dropping passes left and right. But it's still encouraging to see that um, – so yeah, I'd, I'd say it, it's to me it's a good thing, not not for LaFell, but any I mean don't want him to get cut, but because it tells you the young guys, you know, Auden Tate's coming back, and you that there's that they see enough promise and uh, development with the young guys that that the move makes sense. Yeah, I think that's the main takeaway, um, for, at least for me, is that Marvin, a guy who has been so attached to his veterans, and you, you, Granted, Marvin has done. I, I, there is the the frustrating issue of him really hanging on to veterans longer, maybe maybe longer than they should, or giving them more prominent roles than they should have. But he really has done. I guess the one thing that you got to like about this veteran preference type of thing, he relies on some of these guys for a handful of years when the team is in major transition. And, uh, and usually, more often than not, it has worked out for the Bengals in terms of these guys producing. Now, Brandon LaFell, like you mentioned, Scott, 
Um, his numbers were a little inflated in 2016 because of an injury to AJ Green. Um, you know, he he wasn't overall explosive um, in terms of a, a big game breaking receiver, but he he had some solid games for the Bengals. He was a good bridge guy, which is what they needed. Um, and unfortunately, I think he gets a little bit of a bad reputation because who we replaced was the exciting Marvin Jones and the the flexible Mohamed Sanu. Um, and, you know, the, the team is still kind of scrambling to, to do that. I like what you said about, you know, the, the young guys. You, you got to – obviously they're making plays and opening the, the eyes of the coaches at camp. Um, John, I mean, same question to you about it, if it's a good move for the Bengals and – I guess the other the other side of it is, you know, some of the receivers seem to be, especially like A.J. Green, they made some comments about maybe not being so happy that LaFell was let go. Um, is that is that a negative or is that just, hey, we're sticking up for our friend and, um, you know, he, he gave us some good games and you got to take it with for what it is? Yeah, I think every time that there's a move like this where the, the fan base is excited at the prospect of young guys coming in, and supplanting a, a veteran who may have overstayed his welcome. There's always that dynamic where, on you know, the player's side, he was someone that a lot of young guys looked up to, obviously, and was a leader in that in that locker room. He's older than AJ Green. Even AJ Green learned a few things from him, just about being a pro and all that kind of stuff when he was still progressing through his prime. So there's always that kind of dynamic, and the fans shouldn't be, you know, feel guilty about you know being excited about this. But at the same time, there's that perspective where you know that this was a guy who, you know essentially lost his job and now he's looking for another one but it's just piggybacking off scott's point not only was it a a non-marvin lewis move to move on from brandon lafell it was a non-mike brown move because lafell had a one million dollar roster bonus that he earned i think at june at june june 1st and so now when he's cut he's accounting for 40 percent of the bengals dead money that they're incurring 40 percent of dead money and you're talking about the the receiver that played the most snaps over the, over the past two years and accounted for well over a thousand yards. This is, you know, it, it's a logical move, but it's still surprising just looking at all the factors about what this team usually does. And I think for veterans that kind of overstay their welcome, it's more of the guys that are drafted and developed by the Bengals more so than guys who may be coming on to their second or third contracts. And maybe that was another reason why, you know, LaFell was, had a shorter lease than he did, but he definitely doesn't get released if Boyd and Ross don't, do the things that they're supposed to do and make the make the leaps into the years um, three and two respectively. I think they're going to be fine as long as they stay healthy. Um, these guys are obviously talented. They were drafted high for a reason, and they are the components needed to advance the offense in a way that Brandon LaFell simply couldn't have. Yeah, and essentially uh, it, it, it almost seems that the Bengals will probably, just based on previous history and stuff, they'll probably keep about six wide receivers on the final roster. And if, you know, everybody makes it through healthy, um, it would seem that, you know, Green, Green, Ross, Boyd, Josh Malone, um, and then you've got kind of a scrum for those final two spots between Cody, who continues to impress, and um, uh, Alex Erickson. So uh, it does kind of clear up the waters a little bit in terms terms of clearing space for that position to see what what the Bengals end up doing. Um, as it stands, you kind of have Green and uh, Boyd as the quote-unquote starters with Ross as the number three guy. But I think the way they move those guys around and, and what you can do with Ross, obviously Ross will probably be – you know, Ross and Boyd will probably be 2A, 2B in the, uh, in the receiving group. Um, obviously different skill sets, all that stuff. And then you've got Eifert. He's going to be uh, commanding a lot of uh, passes as well. So interesting makeup in terms of the depth chart to the wide receiver group. Moving on to the running back group, pretty, you know, pretty expected. Um, you know, you got Mixon, you got Bernard, and then you got Walton. But there's still a scrum at the end for that possible fourth spot. Um, I, I think – it would seem that maybe a guy like uh, Trey Carson probably has maybe the inside track, but I mean, someone's got to have, have to play special teams, right, John? I mean, I think, I mean, do you see them keeping even four or what do you think? How, how do you think that plays out? Four is probably the number just looking off historical precedent under Lewis and that special teams guy, I would think is Mark Walton because of 
of what he did in Miami. And that was one of the main things that we talked about on the show about, you know, why they were so enamored with Wallen as a prospect. And Wallen was listed as third on the depth chart, I believe. And I think that was the first lie that I saw on the, on the depth chart because that depth chart is basically useless in terms of practicality. Wallen was mainly taking fourth, fifth, sixth, or at least fourth and fifth reps at running back behind both Trey Carson and Boom Williams. And Wallen was listed as third in front of both of those guys. So I think he, he could get third snaps in the preseason game, and that practice work means nothing, I guess. But at the same time, it, it, I think it's a much more tighter race for that final spot. There's Brian Hill, who was here last year, who actually looked pretty good. Um, obviously, Carson has been here for three years. Boom has been here for two. And Quinn Flowers is that wild card because he's done nothing but impress in practice. He's been taking reps as kick returner and – I think that obviously gives him an advantage of potentially going for a spot. He's only going to make it a running back. He's not going to make it a quarterback, obviously. So I think four is the number, and they have eight right now. So it would, it would be hard for me to see them cutting five of those guys because there is a decent amount of talent behind Mixon and Bernard. But I think, obviously, Walton, and it will probably either come down to a three-year competition between Hill, Carson, and Flowers. And one of those guys will probably end up being on the practice squad. Yeah, interesting note about Walton there about, you know, where he's in on the rotation for the snaps. And that's a good good insight you you give us from, from training camp there. I think maybe that's also, you know, the Bengals are probably being cautious. I think Walton has had the, what is it, the ankle injury and had, mm-hmm. I think, surgery, right? right. Um, kind of kind of, kind of this, this spring or winter. So, you know, obviously that hindered his workout times and all of that. We've talked about that, but... Um, you know, maybe they're being a little cautious. I mean, obviously that position gets banged up pretty easily. Um, so maybe they're doing that. But, I mean, I, 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 there's no way that I don't see Walton obviously making the final roster right. if he's healthy and, and able. But um, interesting note there by, by you for letting us know about where Walton is in the pecking order in terms of carries and touches. And, you know, that also, aside from maybe giving him a little bit of a, a breather, that also may be because, like you said, there's a log jam behind him. They need to see – what those guys have to make sure that they keep the four best guys on the, on the roster. If that's the way they're going to go, Scott, we have a new in terms of uh, at least the first depth chart release. There is a new starting right tackle and that is Bobby Hart. Uh, Anthony Munoz and I talked about that a little bit in our, in our interview earlier. And uh, he, he and I kind of both said, well, I'm, I'm not totally surprised that the Bengals like Bobby Hart. They kind of got after him early this offseason. He was one of their first acquisitions in quote-unquote free agency. Um, but, I mean, he's he's beating out, at least according to the depth chart, it looked like a boy he's behind him. And then Jake Fisher is the backup left tackle, not really mentioned too much in the right tackle. Obviously, he'll be in that mix, but... Scott, are you surprised about Bobby Hart being the top guy at right tackle? And um, uh, are you are you convinced to this point that he is the best option of those three? I'm going to say, I mean, surprised, yes and no. I mean, I think in one way you kind of have to be surprised just looking at the whole NFL. Here's a guy who pro football focus um, – we like to mention because it's an easy number to refer to gave like a 44.8 last year, which was good enough for 78th among all tackles in the NFL. There's, there's what 32 teams, two tackles, 64 tackles, roughly starting plus, you know, some teams rotating guys in and out. So say 60, 70 tackles, you finish 74th. That's not very good. So anyone outside that top 60 or 70 really shouldn't be starting because they're just not very good. So and that and you know is a guy that the Giants kind of complained about lack of effort. They seemed to cut him as soon as they could right after the season. They didn't want him returning as bad as their line was. So obviously a lot of people were on like don't think he's that good. So in that you know from that perspective, yes, it's a surprise that he is the starting tackle. On the other hand, it kind of makes a lot of sense because part of it is you have to look at who is he competing against. You know, it's not like he's competing <laughs> against Willie Anderson. You know, or Andre Smith in his prime. He's competing against uh, Jake Fisher, who's coming back from an injury, who had struggled before he had the heart condition, the disrupt with Mia. Uh, he's competing against Kent Perkins, who's an undrafted free agent, who I think played guard in college mostly. So he's kind of transitioned to tackle. He was a, a great story last year, but you know, there's a difference between you know year to year when you get his undrafted guys. How good is he going to be? And 
possibly a boy he although they have a boy he kind of listed on the left side so it's not like he's competing against the greatest of talent and so i think on one hand and this is where i think that we're really going to see in the game is it's i think it's kind of a scary <laughs> and i don't want to say that because we like to think the line's better you know we kind of fixed a couple of the positions hopefully but yeah I, I, unless there's something um you know unless frank pollock was able to work some sort of magic with this guy and and i suppose we'll find out but all reports i've heard from training camp are that um sam hubbard's been beating him pretty easily so and nothing against sam hubbard but you know he's not von miller by any means so you kind of yeah i don't know it's uh i think it's more just a a statement of where the other guys are which i think is a little discouraging because i think we are kind of hoping that hey after the surgery that with fisher now boy he's in his what third year fourth year, i guess his fourth year he has this supposedly great offensive line coach one of these guys is going to turn it on and it said it's bobby hart so, but maybe bobby hart's turned it on and i yeah i guess it's just more i'm kind of rambling so i'll stop but essentially yeah it's more a state of what they have behind them as opposed to i think anything he's actually doing himself well i'm gonna say this that in talking with anthony muñoz he is he is dead convinced that the assistant coaches are going to make a big, a big difference and are making a big difference this year. I, I asked him about that and uh, he, he mentioned Frank Pollock a lot um, and he believes that he's going to have a big impact. Uh, John, I, I do want to make those of you who do not follow John on Twitter. You should, he's been at training camp and he's been posting some videos and some of what you've posted uh, at least from a couple of maybe Monday, um, Sam Hubbard was beating or, or getting pressure against Trey, Trey Hopkins, who is listed as the starting right guard. Um, I think you also said Carlos Dunlap giving Bobby Hart fits was another video you had. I, I mean, are, are, you, are, you, are you surprised? I guess where I'm going is, are you surprised at Hopkins and Hart being atop the depth chart? And if this kind of stuff continues in practice, uh, meaning them kind of getting beat on, I don't know if, it, if it's a semi-regular basis or what have you, might the Bengals go and try and get someone who gets cut from another team to try and be a stopgap starter this year? I wouldn't put that out of the equation, but I would say it's unlikely. And I would also say that in the past three training camps that I've gone down to, the consistent theme is, and even like going like, way back. I, I've, I've been to a lot of training camps when I was like really young. The, the thing with practices is that defensive lines typically have the advantage over offensive lines because, you know, it's a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations and it's obviously not in game. Uh, it really favors the defensive line and a lot of those other factors. Um, but just from the things that I've saw that I've seen, Hubbard has really made an impact at anywhere he's lined up. Um, I think one of the things we looked for when he was drafted is that, is he going to be playing inside? Is he going to take that role away from Michael Johnson? And he finally got his chance on this past Monday, and he looked really good there. So hopefully we see more of that tomorrow um, during the later course of the game when Johnson's out. With Hart and Hopkins, I'm not surprised that Hopkins is starting just because of the way he finished last, last year. And obviously Westerman had the food illness. He lost 10 pounds. And they were kind of bringing him along slowly. So he was obviously behind Hopkins and Redmond. And then it was just a matter of Hopkins being better than Redmond, who, to his credit, Redmond has slimmed down, I think, and is looking a little bit leaner, which I think will help him in terms of pass protection, as long as he has the same pop and run blocking. But it's just a matter of Hopkins being slightly more consistent. He's obviously older. Bengals know what they have in him. And with Hart, Scott is basically right. It's more of a it's more of a sense of, you know, what Hart's competition has been like, more than just a or a lack of indictment, I guess, on on Hart's skill set and how he's looked. Hart himself, I didn't know this. He was actually he's actually listed at three sixteen. I've always known him to play around three hundred thirty pounds, and that has not worked for him as an athlete. He was a guard coming out of Florida State and tested three hundred thirty pounds. The test is one of the worst guards at the combine that year. So he's playing at a, at a much lighter weight than what I thought he was, and he looks slightly more athletic. I know Marvin Lewis called him athletic, and I wouldn't exactly call him that relative to other tackles. But he's looked okay, and that's more than what I could have said about Fisher or Boyhee, who have had much worse reps than Hart. And mm. I, and I think what we what we talked about with like Pollock about getting Fisher and Boyhee, you know, right, utilizing their talent. It's just that Fisher was the guy who had more tools to work with than Boyhee, 
but Fisher still has to execute regardless of what you know Pollock is working on with him. And Fisher is kind of just not clicked. And I wonder if that's more to just his develop his development stunting because of injuries and then playing him at tackle and fullback instead of tackle in his first couple of years. And I wonder if that stunning growth has really affected him in year four. And with Abwehi, it's just a matter of, you know, this guy wasn't as good as we really thought he was. And there's only so much that a- another offensive line coach can do for him. Yeah. The Bengals aren't uh, – they've done some things during in, – in the Marvin Lewis era. They've made some moves, be, be it trades, player trades, be it, uh, you know, getting a guy at the, that's a waiver wire addition after final cuts. Um, that ended, I mean, Reggie Nelson was a late trade, if you remember. Um Brandon, uh, excuse me, Brandon Tate was uh, an addition they made in 2011 um, after he was kind of surprisingly cut by the Patriots at that point. Um, you know, you, you can go back to Kelly Jennings being a, a summertime acquisition. So, I mean, they've, they've gone after some guys. Now, I'm, I'm not – I'm not sitting here saying, you know, oh boy, they they can't go out there with Hopkins and and Hart. Um, I just, I don't know. I those guys better show a lot uh, this preseason in terms of being able to for for fans and the team to trust them. Uh, but that's kind of the uh, some of the major spots of the depth chart we wanted to talk about. Some surprises, some not. Um, I think obviously the offensive line is going to continue to be a, a focus this off season, this, this preseason, um, especially right guard and right tackle with, with Hart and Hopkins leading the way at this point. Now, as we uh, like to rely on preseason game performances to, to do that. And the Bengals have their first one coming up uh, against the bears this Thursday night. This is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast. Uh, I'm Anthony Kazenza, and I'm joined by John Sheeran and Scott Schultz. We all are associates, um, and I'm, I'm glad they were able to join us tonight as we get ready to preview the Bengals' first preseason game. Uh, you can get this program on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, at CincyJungle.com, as well as get in touch with the program at BengalsOBI on Twitter and the OBInsider at gmail.com. We're going to be taking some uh, listener questions if we have some time. If you want to call in, um, not quite yet. We're going to we're going to talk about the preseason game first. But uh, if you want to call in a little bit after that, 949-542-6241 is the number. And I'll give it to uh, give it give it out again before we we actually do take listener questions is usual number 949-542-6241. Uh, give us a few minutes to talk about the preseason game first if, if you are going to call in and then um, we'll, we'll get to your questions. And if you don't want to call in, that's cool. You can text the line. We receive text messages or uh, you can leave your questions in the Cincy Jungle comment section uh, or you can uh, leave, leave them in the live YouTube chat as well. So guys, let's talk about the first the first preseason game is, is coming up, and the Bengals are facing off against the Bears. Now, if you remember last time the Bengals faced the Bears at the end of the 2017 season, it uh, was not so pretty. It um, They got blown out. They got blown out by a rookie quarterback and Mitchell Trubisky, who had a career day, of course, against the Bengals and uh, – you know, they, they trounced them. Now, obviously, we're not going to see a lot of the same starters, at least not for a long period of time. Um, but we'll, we'll get to see them a little bit, and we'll get to see a lot of these guys we've been talking about for a long time. But we'll start with you. What are what are some of the, the main takeaways you want to see from the Bengals in preseason game one? I mean, I, I, I said this to – I said this earlier today – it's not going to be. It's not going to be pretty. Um, the, these first games never are pretty. Uh, but Anthony Munoz said he, you know, what he would like to see is, you know, the the mental aspect at least being grasped, grasped, not stupid mistakes, all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, you know, fatigue and other stuff is, you know, is going to be the, is going to be present. But what are some of the the, the takeaways that you were? looking for uh or that you are looking for as the Bengals take the field i mean there's a i think obviously a million but if i had to limit it to you know a handful i think uh 
there's a million questions on offensive line. So that's, I guess, 2 million. So that'd be 1 million of them. Uh, but yeah, the starters might be in for a series. So I don't think we're really going to see anything with the starters. So I'm kind of focused more on the backups. And if I had to pick one, I, I think the one that I'm most interested in, at least right now, uh, of the many, is the backup quarterback situation, which I, I think is probably going to be between Jeff Driscoll and Matt Barkley. I mean, with Matt Barkley, you kind of know who you have. He's a, I mean, his, his numbers, his performance has been a mediocre veteran, kind of bounced around. Uh, he's a guy you kind of hope you don't have to rely on as your backup, but then your other option is Jeff Driscoll. He's the guy that was, is more athletic. He kind of has the build of a you know, franchise quarterback. He can run. He has a big arm, all the things you want. Uh, he's a little older for a guy who's never really taken an NFL snap. He you know, spent a lot of time in college when he was at Florida and then left Florida, went to Louisiana Tech, and then he was, he's been in the NFL. And they've seen some. I mean, they've obviously seen something in him. They've kept him on the active roster, you know, for a little while. And this is kind of his year. Okay, we've kind of done, you know, everything you can really do with all the time in college, all the time in the NFL. Here's your time to show at the very least you can be a, you know, our, our number two quarterback. And so to me, that's the really exciting battle of many. Would be, you know, can he fend off Matt Barkley? It's not like we're asking him to fend off, you know, Andrew Luck or you know, uh, Tom Brady. We're just, can you, you know outplay Matt Barkley and get that number two spot. And, you know, hope it's one of those positions you hope you never have to turn to. I mean, you hope, obviously you hope Andy Dalton plays all 16 games, which he pretty much has most of his career. I mean, obviously it was the year, the 2015, when he got hurt at the end of the season. And then I think in his first season, he might've missed the very end of the opening game against the Browns, but pretty much he's played um, every single snap. But if it comes to that, you, you don't really have a lot of confidence if Matt Barkley is the guy. So you kind of hope that, Jeff Driscoll has turned into something. So that's, I think, the one thing I more than I think, I figured both those guys are going to get a lot of playing time. You figure one will probably play most of the first half, one will play most of the second half. They might throw um, Woodside in at the very end. He's probably more destined for the practice squad, if anything, this year. So I think, it, I think that's probably my number one battle that, that I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Okay. So I and agreed. And we'll expand on this topic uh, at the, towards the end of the show here because we did get – a listener question in the live YouTube chat that talks about the backup quarterback situation, which is by most reports and, and John can maybe corroborate. Um, it has not been very good in terms of the guys playing behind Andy Dalton. Um, John, what obviously, I mean, it's so cliche. Oh, we don't want injuries. Of course you don't want injuries. You don't want major injuries, especially to very important players, starting players, that sort of thing. Um, I got. I remember a couple of years ago. Remember the Bengals? They brought in a guard from the Panthers. He was uh, he was set to start for him, and I think in his Wharton. first preseason, Wharton, Wharton, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Travell Wharton. Wharton. Yeah. Um, he blew out his knee like in the first or second preseason game, and it's like, oh, there goes your starting left guard. <laughs> um, so obviously, of course, we all want to see minimal injuries, minimal scary long term in injuries. We don't want that, obviously. But what are one or two kind of things that you're looking at and what that you hope to take away in a positive light from the Bengals as they, as they face the Bears? Um, I'll – so the last year when they played the Bears, they got trounced, obviously. And the biggest part of that was that they could not stop the run. And the Bears possess a – killer interior offensive line and two really good running backs, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Obviously, those guys aren't going to play you know, outside of one or two series. So that first series, if they're going to run the ball, I want to see Andrew Billings, who's going to start a nose tackle, hold his own because he had an up-and-down game against the Bears last year. I want to see Preston Brown uh, attack gaps like Kevin Minter and Hardy Nickerson couldn't do against the Bears last year. I want to see a force to be reckoned with up the middle in run defense and just because that was such a colossal weakness on the team last year and it was the worst part of the defense was the middle was the middle of that defense so the, the bears only got better in that area with drafting james Daniels, who will probably play a little bit center maybe a little bit left guard tomorrow so that that unit has gotten better hopefully i i think the Bengals have gotten better there because billings has improved and preston brown is now here who's uh, going to be more healthy than mincer and i think he's a slight upgrade so that first drive i want to see the Bengals stop the run on defense because I know that their secondary is 
you know, competent. I know they have three good pass rushers. We don't know if the run defense has actually gotten better, and this will be a good uh, first test for them for that first couple drives. And obviously the young guys are going to play most of the game. Um, I'm looking at the receivers, obviously. I'm looking at Erickson, you know, holding his own because he is probably going to make the roster as that backup slot receiver. He's going to be the main guy returning kicks at the moment. I want to see um, him work well with Driscoll and Barkley. And look, just looking at the backup quarterback um, play, you know, the backup quarterbacks, they're like they're like money ball and for the Oakland A's, you know. Like that whole strategy was can this guy get on base, right? And with backup quarterbacks, it's can they move the ball? You know, they don't have to do anything flashy or anything, but they just have to, you know, manage the pocket, avoid sacks, and just keep the ball moving. And whoever can do that between Barkley and Driscoll is most likely going to win that job. Last year, it was Driscoll, who was you know f- fabulous in the preseason. He had that one juke move against Tampa Bay. And everything that we've seen from Barkley is that he cannot move the ball. And he can't complete passes. So wh- whoever can operate the most in the structure of that bland offense that they roll out is going to take that job. And we're going to find out really soon uh, week one. The offensive line is what I, I will be watching, it sounds like. Um, you know, there's a, there's a number of different players that are going to be, you know, Wadey Fisher. Those guys are still fighting for a potential starting role, definitely backup roles. Um, you've got young Billy Price who's in there, who's going to be, um, who's, who's, you know, he may get a little more time than other guys on the line just because he's young and uh, kind of getting used to the system. So I, I'm looking for that. But I'm also looking for the, the just kind of the offense to kind of what you both have said with the backup quarterbacks, move the ball get points on the board. Uh, the last few preseasons when Dalton's in there, you know, they're not moving the ball very well. Part of that has to do with the offensive line not holding up. They're not moving the ball well. They're not putting points up. Um, I get it's preseason, but I kind of want to be greedy because this offense has been so vanilla and so bland the past two seasons that I want to see them do some things in terms of uh, getting into the end zone, scoring some points, uh, and, and doing that. I do agree, though, that the, the run defense and the, the backup quarterback battle that you guys both mentioned are very critical. And, John, um, I believe it was Michael Myers who uh, agrees with you in the YouTube chat saying we would like to see how we hold up against the Bears running backs. Um, that run defense last year was for the Bengals was atrocious. In that game, uh, they were especially atrocious. So, um, obviously, be, I'll, I'll be looking at that. I guess the guys that I will be, and I'm going to ask you guys next, but the specific players I'm going to be watching the most. Um, I'll go with I'll go with Matt Barkley because he's currently the backup quarterback and um, he's probably going to get some extensive work. I would think. Um, I, I'll keep my eye on John Ross. He probably won't play too much, but um, just kind of see what he looks like against uh, some some NFL talent, I guess, because we didn't really see much of it at all last year, preseason or otherwise. Um, but I'm also going to keep my eye on on Jesse Bates, and Jesse Bates was a guy that to, he, uh, you know, he kind of came in and he he's been touted as this turnover machine. They spent a second round pick on him. They're they're trying to find ways to get the three safeties on the field, and for some reason, and maybe it's just me, I have not heard much about him at all in training camp in terms of making a bunch of plays, creating those turnovers, and so uh, I'm really interested to see what he uh, will look like in the Bengals' new defense under Terrell Austin. John, give me, give me, uh, you know, maybe two, two or three players that you are looking at that you'll be specifically watching uh, in this first preseason game. Um, the fifth-round cornerbacks in Devontae Harris and Darius Phillips, they have primarily been on that second or third team with Kavari Russell at cornerback. Phillips has mainly been in the slot. Harris has mainly been on the outside with Russell on the other side. Um, I, I don't know if Anthony Miller, the Bears receiver, is going to start tomorrow. He might be with the second team, but that could be a matchup with, between Harris and Miller or Phillips and Miller that I'm really interested in to see because Miller has had a great camp with Chicago. He's got He's a great route runner, and how just any cornerback handles him is going to be really fun to watch just because he's a fun player. So, And just, just going off of what you said about Bates, the, the, the whole – the whole rest of the secondary, because they typically keep nine or ten. We know who the five stars are going to be, but we don't really know who those four other guys are going to be. Like it could be Brandon Wilson, could be still Josh Shaw, it could be the undrafted Trayvon Henderson. So just watching these young guys in the secondary fight for those jobs, specifically with Harris and Phillips, because maybe maybe only one of those guys make the makes the roster. 
Um, just, just, just seeing how those guys do now when you know the lights are on is going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, and kind of just real quick, kind of going back a little bit to the depth chart discussion. Were you surprised to see Shaw listed as a safety? Um, you know, at both of those, at both cornerback and safety, he's kind of been. Uh, he's an athletic guy, but I, I just. For some reason, I, it hasn't fully clicked in terms of finding a, a true niche in the NFL. And uh, were you surprised to see him as a, listed as a safety? Um, k- kinda, but not really because he played mostly safety last year. But the, yeah, it, it doesn't do him much good because besides Shaw, right. the safeties are stacked, and there's going to be at least four guys who are locked for the roster besides Shaw. So if he were to make it as a safety, they would have to carry five. But obviously, he has that versatility of being both a safety and coming up and being a nickel cornerback. But even if he's that, then he's probably the second or third guy behind Dennard and Darius Phillips, and you have to challenge him. So Shaw is definitely, in my opinion, on the outside looking in, and I think he has a worse chance to make the roster right now at safety than he would be at cornerback because they are dealing with a couple injuries at cornerback with Tony McRae and uh, Sojourn Sheldon, and they brought in a guy in C.J. Goodwin, but I don't think they're going to expect much of him. So it's kind of interesting how they're officially listing him at safety, even though he's played exclusively safety in training camp. I'm surprised they just haven't moved him back to cornerback with all those injuries that have occurred there. Yeah, the Goodwin signing is very interesting because that guy was like a wide receiver. He's gigantic. I think he's like 6'4". Um, very, very limited uh, defensive snaps in college or the pros. But obviously the athleticism is there, and I think the Bengals like that. So, I mean, he's got a major hill to climb up, but uh, interesting dude to say the least. Scott, give me give me two to three guys specifically that you'll be looking at, looking at this. Uh, and I, we've got a fourth host. I love it. Um, they, some guys that you're looking at as the Bengals uh, take the field for the first game this year. Okay, and this, if I apologize in advance if this is repeat of some of the stuff John said. Uh, so I, I got okay, I was a little distracted. Yeah, um, but I think a couple of the guys, one is um, Andrew Billings, just because this is his th- third year. And I really, I was surprised to see him listed as a starter over Baker. So I'm really curious to see what he does. I mean, he showed last year, you know, he had some good moments where he could, he got some push, he got in the backfield, but he didn't seem to have that awareness. Like he would get back there and then the guy would still run past him. So I'd like to see him, you know, take that next step and use that strength and that, you know, that power he has to get past those guys and really turn it into something. So he's a guy I'm looking at. Um, another one's kind of two, I guess, is the Sam Hubbard, Carl Lawson, our younger edge rushers. And I would say Willis, but I really haven't heard much from him so far in the preseason Hubbard, because at Ohio state, he was one of these guys, he was decent, but he didn't seem like, and he was, he was no Joey Bosa. He was a guy you watch. He's an effort guy. He was good against the run. He could get, you know, pressure now and then, but everything you hear from camp, it's like, and it could be the tackles he's going against too. It's like, wow, like <laughs> this guy seems, you know, it sounds like he's pretty decent. So I, I want to see him go against another line and see, is he as good as we've seen? And then same with Carl Lawson. Now he's in year two. I want to see, you know, be able to see how they use him. It, you know, let's see that last year wasn't a fluke. Let's see that he gets, he's getting pressure this year. Let's see, do they line him up actually on the edge? Are they going to use him a little more? Are they going to keep him in this like outside linebacker role? They said he was last year, you know, where exactly are they going to play him? And then the other one I'm kind of curious about, and um, well, actually it's two. I would say Billy Price, but I've already said one Buckeye. So I'm going to go with a different guy. I'm going to go with uh, Drake Kirkpatrick. Just because he does ever well, he's had one decent year as far as I can recall, and that was the year he signed the big contract. Last year, he was clearly well behind William Jackson his performance, probably well behind uh, Darquez Denard. I know Denard's more like the slot guy, but I want to see. Uh, how, how, are you guys still there? Yeah. Yep. Okay, we had some buttons pushed accident. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, okay. There we go. So anyway. <laughs> Um, for those of you who don't have audio, well, video, I just had to move the mouse to the air. Well, okay. Um, sorry. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. Um, okay. The Oh, yeah. Drake, Drake Kirkpatrick, because he just has not seemed to play very well. He had a couple big plays a couple years ago, but outside of that, he just doesn't look like you know, the guy you want, he has the length, he has the speed, but he just seems to get burnt on a regular basis. And I just want to see, you know, do we have a number two? It's obviously not Shaw because they put him at safety. Um, you know, Denard, 
I'd like to see if they would give him a chance or if they have someone else, you know, sitting there that they think can be that number two. And I assume it's going to be Kirkpatrick all year, but if it is, I'm sure hoping he shows more than we've seen so far. Uh, yeah, I think Dre Kirkpatrick's been kind of boy of late and, and somewhat rightfully so of, of from the fans. But, um, you know, I, I just, I don't think we're going to see a lot of those guys for very much time, unfortunately. Um, this this game, I think that's more the dress rehearsal third game deal. But yeah, I mean, I you know, especially with William Jackson now being touted as the Bengals' best corner and all that kind of stuff, it is going to be interesting to see how Drake or Patrick, um, I guess, rebounds or whatever. And if you didn't know something about my co-host guys, it is that they can multitask with a lot of different stuff in their respective homes. Um, so kudos to you both because you've had some distractions and you guys have still brought it. I love it. I love it. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Gazenza, and I'm joined by John Sheeran and Scott Schultz. Appreciate them jumping on. We're going to take a couple of listener questions here and get out of here. Um, you can call or text us if you want to. If you want to do that, nine four nine five four two six two four one. I will be taking calls here for the next couple. If you want to do that, totally cool. Uh, we did get some questions or a question in the live YouTube chat, so we'll get there. Or you can tweet us at Bengals OBI to, to have your question be read on the air. Uh, again, this program is available via SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, on CincyJungle.com. And, uh, yeah, get the program. Subscribe to our channels. Appreciate it. Um, let's go with uh, Kenneth McClendon Jr. And uh, we – John, John, and I talked uh, about Kenneth. His Scott, I don't know if you heard. Kenneth's father is uh, Skip McClendon, the the uh, the old Bengal who oh. uh, played for the yeah he played for the team um, in the the late '80s and, and early '90s and whatnot. So yeah, he was um, on their Super Technable lineup. <laughs> yeah, and and so we're we're gonna uh, and thank you, Kenneth. He did uh, shoot me some information on how to reach out to his dad, and uh, we're gonna try and get his dad on the show as well. So uh, that that was really cool. But he's also an ardent listener of the program, and and we're stoked on that he he wants to talk about the backup quarterback position a little bit more he says let's say Andy goes down are we confident in any of the backups um and is there anyone out there that we can bring in instead of what the Bengals currently have uh Scott I guess I'll, I'll kick it off with you on, on thoughts about Ken's question there I'll start with the second part is there anyone they can bring in I think there definitely is one name who's been thrown around uh, a little bit is uh Teddy Bridgewater because he, the Jets have three quarterbacks. They signed him before they drafted Denard, they, or not Denard, uh, your boy from USC, Darnold. Uh, so they have Darnold. Um, they have um, escapes me on the second guy. McCown. Yeah, they still have Josh McCown. So Bridgewater's the third guy. He's never really been. I mean, he had one decent year in Minnesota. I mean, he's never. He's not like some sort of great, you know, savior, but. He is a solid, decent. You know, he's definitely a step up over, over what they have right now behind Dalton. And some people, I mean, if you remember when Bridgewater was in the draft when he fell to the Vikings at the end of the first round, a lot of Bengals fans were clamoring for them to grab this guy to replace Dalton or be the future replacement for Dalton. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. But he's someone they could definitely bring in. He'd be a huge step up. There's obviously some other guys out there. He would probably be the biggest name. Um, he may be the cheapest. I don't know if the Jets would want to carry three quarterbacks, depending on what their roster has. You mentioned earlier the Bengals doing trades around cutdown day. That would be a possible trade if there's something the Jets want, like a deep, you know, a backup in their position or what, you know, late conditional pick or something, depending on playing time. So that would be the second question. The first, que the first part of the question: Are we confident in any of the backups as of right now? Um, I wouldn't say it's no. I would say it's much. It's a very strong no, uh, or even a little stronger than no. Like a hell no. Yes. <laughs> maybe even that. Maybe even that's squared. Um, yeah, it's beyond a purgatory no. Definitely to a hell no. And because with Barkley, you just yeah, you 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 can look at the numbers. You can look. You can go back and see the film. He's just not. And I I know you. Anthony is a USC guy, and I'm going to be you know. <laughs> So I won't be too mean. Yeah, he's just not a great option. With Jeff Driscoll, I think he is the, you know, he's kind of the guy that you are putting. He's kind of your lottery ticket in a sense. I mean, you've invested a lot in him. You you, you keep putting those 
you know, dollar bills to that uh, cashier at the Speedway gas station. Keep getting your scratch offs. You know, you've, we've been doing that with this guy for like you know several years now. You know, we've put all that money. We're gonna. I'm hoping this is the year we're gonna scratch off, and either we're gonna get a bunch of lemons or we're gonna you know get um, whatever you you get on a scratch off, and you win you know your ten thousand dollars. So that's kind of what he is. He's that kind of scratch off a lottery ticket guy. That I think we've put enough money in that we're either going to get something from him or we're not. I think we're going to find out this preseason. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping we do, but as, as long as they've had him, unless he's, you know, this one in a million Kurt Warner kind of guy that just takes a long time to develop into something great, he's probably not, which means that, yeah, if Tottenham goes down and they don't get a Bridgewater or something, they could could be in for a long season. Yeah, and I, I don't know if we need to even go to John because he he astutely said hell no. So uh, <laughs> I just want to say I just want to say one thing. Teddy Bridgewater. I'm kidding. Of course. Uh, if Teddy Bridgewater does not get hurt in 2016, he's still the Vikings' starting quarterback, and yeah. he does yeah. just as good, if not better, than what both Sam Bradford and Case Keenum did up there. Because Bridgewater is operating a very very difficult offense in Minnesota before. Um, 2016 when I forget it might have been it wasn't North Turner I think North Turner left it was Pat Shermer Pat Shermer came in and made Bradford and and Case Kingdom look like gods up there and you know that then they got digs and Thielen going Bridgewater would would have been so good in Minnesota if that injury didn't occur he's still I think he's still at the level that he was in 2015 obviously there's a lot of confidence that needs to come with his knee but if he's made available the Bengals need to get on that immediately because looking at just there, – there's there, people don't have a lot of confidence in any Dalton carrying this offense. Then you look at Matt Barkley and Jeff Driscoll. That's going from, you know, a B to like a, a C-minus or D-plus. So there's just no reason – I wasn't the biggest A.J. McCarron fan, but even A.J. McCarron can, is, can, it can be considerably better than either Barkley or Driscoll. So it's just – there's just no confidence in – those guys doing anything more than just the very, very, very bare minimum of running an NFL offense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I agree with you guys. I don't have a confidence. I don't have confidence really in either guy. I really show more in the preseason. And even then I still don't know if I would uh, be overly confident. I do think that, that Barkley here and now probably has more surrounding talent than he has had um, in, so, in some, if not all of his previous NFL years. So, I mean, that could help but how much i don't know um so yeah and and i think in terms of getting another quarterback i think um that probably will only happen unless the Bengals are in dire straits in terms of an injury to dalton or whatever and they need to strike they need to strike a trade to, to do something like that and um so yeah i don't i don't know if that's gonna if that's gonna happen here uh real quick john on a one to ten point system, this is from Alex Gonzalez in our in our chat room. Ten being very confident. How confident do you feel about the O line this year, especially so far right now? Uh, scale of one to ten. So last year I was at a three. This year I'm at I'll give it a five and a half to six because yeah. the one thing that I don't think a lot of people not understand, but they just don't know, is that an offensive line is not good by the good pieces that's on there. It's only as good as your worst player. And that was the biggest reason why they gave up 40 sacks when they had both Andrew Woodworth and Kevin Zeidler, two very, very good players on a team that also on an offensive line that had Cedric Boye and Russell Bowden playing significant snaps. So you upgraded two spots, presumably, but you still have two big question marks at, you know, those two positions. And if, and if at least one of them is very bad, which right tackle could be very bad, it'll disrupt a lot of things. And the, the performances of the other four guys, it could just be just wiped out because one guy is constantly getting beat. It might not be that way. That, that's like a worst case scenario, but that's why just upgrading those two left tackle and center doesn't move the two up all the way to like an eight, eight or nine. It's more of like a five or six. I think it's a good indication of where the offensive line is right now. It's kind of in that average area when you compare it to the rest of the league, which is obviously better than it was, but it's not, as better as may, maybe people thought it, it will be. Uh, we we had a call. We'll we'll try and see if we can get that that caller back there, Scott. If you are there, um, your uh, scale of one to ten on the Bengals' offensive line, uh, both uh, overall outlook this year and uh, where you sit right now. Um, I guess where I sit right now is in the kitchen, but 
as far as your <laughs> first question, um, if tw the twenty fifteen Scott, if you could, <laughs> Scott, if you could hold that thought real quick. I apologize. Okay. We're getting a call here, and uh, I want to get this person on the air here. Hi, who's this? Hello? Hi, who's this? Hey, my name's Andrew. Andrew Seiler. Oh, Andrew, how you doing? Good, how are you? This is great. Yeah, we're uh we've got we've got a number no, a number out now, so we're we're kind of official and I know you've been in our live chat and uh John, I forgot to tell you. Um Andrew oh. call, I I did great work by earlier, but oh, yeah. uh <laughs> yeah, I've been, uh, I've been following his like uh, active stuff. Yeah, sports or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, what what question uh, do you have for us tonight, Andrew? So I don't know if you guys have answered this before, but I just want to know if you guys think that um, that Dalton will succeed more, and not just Dalton, just the whole all going to take your your question um uh we'll get you off the air here andrew but thanks for the support for the show thanks for tuning in and thanks for the call you can call in uh, every episode if you want and uh, we'll try and get you on the air all right thanks buddy appreciate it so john were you, were, were you able to hear uh andrew's question there yeah okay it's, it's a good one too yep go for it um so what he was alluding to is that why doesn't Laser just do the same things that Hugh did in 2015 when everything was, was great? And it's a good idea in theory, and it's exactly what Ken Zampezi tried to do back in 2016, 2017. And two reasons why that didn't work is that, A, the personnel wasn't the same because they lost Marvin Jones, Mohamed Sanu, and Brandon LaFell and Tyler Boyd just weren't ready to – implement those roles effectively. Obviously, Eifer was hurt both of those years as well, and Eifer was completely healthy in 2015. So you couldn't exactly replicate the same offense when the personnel wasn't there. But also, you know, it, the offense worked under Hugh because Hugh was calling the plays and it was under his direction. And, you know, another offensive coordinator can look at that playbook and try to replicate it. But if it's not from the primary source, it might always, it might always work. And that's why, uh, you know, offensive coordinators and play callers, they have – they kind of have de decently large egos and they're like, yeah, maybe I can, maybe I I'll do this my way. And, you know, if it's going to succeed, it's going to be because it's my concepts, it's my playbook and all that stuff. And I think Zampezi tried to put his own spin on a couple of things. And obviously he wasn't, he just showed he wasn't competent as a play caller, even if he tried to replicate what he did. And I think it's good that laser is using his own concepts and using his own spin on things because I, I want whatever is confident of both Dalton and the play caller. And if laser is, it has talked with Dalton about how the direction of this offense and the adjustments that he's going to make, I'm confident in because laser obviously knows Dalton. He's been with him for a couple of years and he has experience as a play caller, unlike Zampezi. So I'm confident with him bringing in a new system, a chip Kelly disciple laser is he's, doing a lot of things that the traditional air coil is doing. And I think that really fits Dalton in the same ways that it did under Hugh. But I just like, you know, I, I, I like the new direction. I don't like, I, I would prefer it this way because I've seen another offensive coordinator try to replicate, replicate what Hugh did. And it just wasn't the same because it wasn't Hugh calling the place, I guess. Yeah. And, and it seems as if laser kind of has at least a, a little bit of a grasp on, uh, who who he wants on in his offense, and um, you know who uh, who they brought back, who they added, all that kind of stuff in terms of um, players and personnel. We'll get out of here. Uh, any any final thoughts, John? As we uh, as the as the Bengals are heading into training camp, or heading into their first preseason game, rather. Um. No, I'm just ready for football to start. It's been a long off season. It always is.
Just, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to stop talking. Gotcha. I'm watching. <laughs> All right. I believe I believe we have somebody. Uh, hi, who's this? Terrell, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, we we had the uh, the troublesome trio back tonight, so that was good. Okay. That's not a uh, that's not an unfair unfair take there. I do think that uh, there there are some you know between AJ Green maybe you know he doesn't have the the Matt Ryan or the Eli Manning or you know however I mean and, and people can place Andy Dalton where they want in terms of quarterback pecking order, but you know AJ Green may have had a little bit of a slighter bump in statistics uh, in comparison to some of those people if he had a Big Ben if he had some of those guys thrown to him. Um, I, I do, I do think that unfortunately for AJ as well, he plays in a smaller to mid market type of atmosphere. So he doesn't get the attention that Odell Beckham gets. Unfortunately, the team has not been as successful as the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, especially, you know, winning postseason games and, and all that stuff when Antonio Brown's been there. So, um, I think a case is, is to be made there. I do think another name that a lot of people overlook again, because of, Quarterback issues is uh, DeAndre Hopkins. John, any any thoughts for Terrell before we get him off the air here and uh, close up shop? So Hopkins and AJ are the two best receivers that have to deal with inconsistent quarterback play. And not only that, but AJ is in an offense that's unlike Antonio and Julio and Pittsburgh and Atlanta. They don't find creative ways to get him the ball like those two get. And that's why they end up with well over 100 receptions a year and much more like yards after catch and stuff like that. And consistently, AJ is um, below in terms of, you know, guys with over 100 targets, but below in deep target efficiency because his quarterback is just less accurate going down the field compared to Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger and that stuff. And I've always felt, you know, bad, not bad, but there's definitely a sense of both Hopkins and Green being underrated where production just doesn't tell enough about their true talent because their surroundings aren't as favorable as the top two in Julio and Antonio. And I still think Julio and Antonio are one and two because they're that talented, but they're also one and two because of their their, their surroundings and their supporting cast. Yep, good take. Thanks, Terrell. Thanks for calling in. Uh, sorry we, we had to squeeze you in. All right, you as well. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to close up the, the phone lines now for the rest of the evening and get out of here. Uh, John uh, mentioned that his he's just ready for some some actual football, and I think we all are, and I think we're ready to see a different Bengals team that, that we've seen than we've seen over the past couple of years. I don't know if we have Scott back. Scott, are you there? Okay, I don't think we have Scott anymore, but that's okay. Um, we are going to get out of here. We're excited for – uh, the Bengals' first preseason game to, uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, against the Bears. Um, it sounds like I think one of our callers, I think it was Andrew Seiler, who said he's going to be at the game. So that's kind of cool. There's going to be some uh, some people there that are affiliated with this show. We appreciate all the callers and those of you who tuned in live. I also appreciate those who tuned in live earlier today uh, for the interview with Anthony Munoz and uh, obviously our greatest gratitude to 
Mr. Munoz. And in that interview, aside from obviously his breakdown of the Bengals, he talks about his foundation and other community work he's doing. Um, if, if you are so inclined, whether you want to donate or if you want to get involved, you can go to his websites, figure he, he, he had all that stuff on the interview. So check that stuff out and, um, you know, try and get involved and help him out. He's doing some great stuff, uh, to my co-hosts, John and Scott appreciate it. I know we, we started a little earlier than usual tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for being flexible as always. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Looking forward yeah. to the rest of the season. Absolutely appreciate it, guys, and uh, we're going to get out of here. Enjoy the first preseason game of 2018, and we'll be back to talk about it and the next game as well. Um, This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Thanks. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, Seems smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.